morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to today's episode of Musings with Jesus. My name is Shola, I'm your host. Thank you for joining me. I hope you're well. I hope all is good in your world. You know, just before I started um, the recording this morning, just now, literally, I just thought to myself that I'm, you know, I'm really happy at where my life is at right now. I'm really, really happy. I'm really happy. And this is not to say that I don't... In fact, I'm happy. <laughs> I just want to say, I don't know. I'm just really happy at where my life is, and I'm thankful. I'm grateful. I'm really just happy. I'm happy at where I am with God. I'm happy with where what He's teaching me. For the first time in my life, I mean, I'm I am over fifty. I'm fifty. I'm going. You know, I'm in my fifties, early fifties. For the first time in my life, I feel like I am in the right place at the right time. I have never ever felt like this never it's it's such a real feeling that you know you know it's it's this sort of thing where you can't you know it, it's this intangible thing you you can't explain how you know but you know because you have never felt this way before i guess this must be like how it is when you you know, when people say they've, they've met their soulmates and they, you know, you, 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 you just know, even though people are like, well, how do you know? You, well, I know because I've never felt this way before. That's exactly how I feel. I just, I feel like my life has meaning. I feel like I am in, it's like, you know, when you, when you're trying to fit a, a nail or a bolt into a, a, a hole, like you've, you've been taking different sizes and trying to force fit it in and they're not working and then finally you you pick the right bolt and it goes right in and it's it's you can tell this is the right fit this is the bolt that was meant for this um you know this screw or this shape or this place this is it and then you know that it's going to be able to do what you need it to do you just know what you're going to be able to build based on that you you know you're on the right track the vision is coming everything is coming together that's exactly how i feel and it's just in 2023 this year that i had this realization so there's just something about this year for me and it's amazing because the lord did say to me that it's my year of fruitfulness i feel it I feel it so I'm so intentional about everything that I do now because I feel it I, 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 and it's giving me such a sense of peace such a sense of fulfillment sense of joy I've, I've longed for this all my life I've really 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 longed for this I've longed to be in this place and you know it doesn't mean I don't have problems there are challenges there are things but I it's not affecting you know I'm, I'm I'm just happy. And I can't I can't tell you I can't it's I don't even know how to describe it. I am I'm just full of inner joy. I am content, I am happy, I'm fulfilled. I am really physically I'm, I mean as in I'm doing in fact most of the time I, I my, my days are so full with work that sometimes when I get home when I'm on the bed I'm like I feel like I have just run a marathon race. Meanwhile, I, I can't tell. I haven't done anything physical, but a lot of brain work, a little bit of motion here and there. But I literally feel like my body has been beaten, <laughs> you know. But 
but I but there's a strong sense of accomplishment in terms of it's just really amazing. But anyways, let me. I, I, I sorry, you know this is musings with Jesus. I just need to really share with you how I'm feeling and you know and and if you if you are new on this podcast well welcome on board this is where i talk about my relationship with god and how he helps me navigate life and if you look in the past episodes you will see that this is a really big deal for me because in the past few years it's been a year of turmoil it's been a year of searching for the lord it's been a year of so many questions that i had and you know god has been answering them one by one one by one one by one and it was a very challenging period of my life but it has turned out to be a very very how would i say a defining moment but a time when god has also used that time to teach me things that he needed me to know looking back now in fact now i can really really say that all things have worked together for my good like romans 8 says you know it has really worked together for my good and i never ever thought i would say that because they were really tough years and i think my strongest reflection in all of this is the need to really work with god because now even though there is stuff that i'm doing i just have purpose i mean it's like i have clarity in my life i have clarity <laughs> this is such a big thing for me because i have not had clarity for a long time i've just been living i've just been doing what you know but i have clarity i have a sense of purpose I'm, i i can see that my life is becoming impactful and it's going to become even more impactful and that god is i can see where he's taking me to and i'm so grateful to him you know just for giving me that because i could really have passed through this life and not had that either way you i would still feel like well my life still meant something somehow but the way he's working with me now i really appreciate it i treasure it because it's 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 giving me fulfillment as well and it's helping me find my place in this earth and and you know this is what i've always i've always wanted this i have always wanted this and you can ask me what has changed the only thing that i think has changed that i can think of is that i have become more dependent on him i have become more you know i i value him more now i he's not just um i really value him you know i i Actually, what has changed, and I think this is probably it, is that I, 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 he has become my father and my, he's become my father and my mother, my parent, my everything. He's become everything to me. Before, he wasn't everything. And um, he's now Lord of my life. He's actually really Lord now. I realized that he wasn't Lord before. He wasn't Lord. I thought he was Lord, but he wasn't really Lord. But now... He's in an uncontested space. You know what I'm saying? There's nobody... Where God is right now in my life, nobody... <laughs> nobody's contesting that space. Before, there were people contesting the space. And I was allowing them to contest the space. But right now, it's uncontested. And yeah, I've talked a bit about how that has... If I mean, my previous episodes, I've talked about how this came to pass. And I didn't know that that was what was going on. So even what I'm saying now is my reflection as of now and uh, it's really awesome and i'm grateful because again and you know i've talked about this so often in on this podcast i begin to sound like a broken record i didn't realize how toxic my environment was i didn't realize how 
infiltrated it was. I didn't realize how contaminated it was. But now that I've detoxed, I've done a spiritual detox. God has led me on it. Spiritual detoxification. I can see clearly. And all I'm seeing is Jesus, his plan for me, his purpose for me. I'm learning more about him. Anyway, let me just leave it at that. I spent like eight minutes talking about this whole experience. And I was running out of time. So today, I wanted to reflect on something that was, you know, a conversation that I'd had online with in my Bible seminary program class. Where we were reflecting on why it's important to study the Bible. Why it's important to study theology. I'm doing a master's course in biblical studies and theology. And so... The question was why theology is important. And what I like about my class is that if I, it's, I'm the only Nigerian or African, everyone else is in the U.S. It's based in the U.S. because the seminary is uh, based in the U.S. So I learn a lot from them. And of course, not everyone is, is you know, of American heritage. There are people from Asia as well, although overwhelmingly American, but people from different parts, but different influences, sometimes Asian, sometimes Latin American, sometimes... Um, you know, um, Anglo-Saxon, American, that kind of thing. So, um, we sort of like all different perspectives and then different church environments, different Christ journeys, you know, so we we learn from one another. But of course, since I come from Nigeria and Africa, I have a very unique view and I'm aware of that. But I also get the benefit of hearing from them in their context, which sometimes is quite different from mine as well. So we're all asking that question of why is it important to study the Bible and some people were like, you know, theology, and they're talking about theology, which is when you really want to study about who God is, you know, your vision of the world, you know, and some of the responses that people give surprised me, because I have always wanted to know these things, like literally, I have always wanted to know, in fact, what led me to God, I've always been that kind of philosophical, I mean, philosopher type person, I, it's important to me to know what is the meaning of life, does existence, you know, my favorite courses in school were, were philosophy, I remember one, um, course that we did about the existence of God, you know, I, I've, that was, you know, that was me, I, w- I want to read Socrates, I want to read Aristotle, I don't have to agree with you, but I, I want, I like people that think deeply, you know, because I, I, I mean, really, I think that God gives us the kind of mind that we have, because he wants us to be able to think deeply, God himself is a deep thinker, so I'm created in the image and the likeness of God, we should be able to think about this, and we should be able to interrogate, I like, you know, so I really like that. So, but some people were like, oh, it's so much. How do you even know what you should know? You know, there are so many things. And I was like, hmm, that's an interesting perspective. And then some people were very open. It was really interesting, you know, getting those responses. Some people said, oh, in their church, they they generally avoid anything that is theologic, very strong in theology because, you know, they they avoid it. They just stay on the safe issues. Some people said in their churches, they also see that their pastor does that. And what they notice is that when people then get to a, a level where they need more stronger theology they tend to leave the church i also found that very interesting because i see the same thing here it's like there's a deliberate attempt to keep people at kindergarten level of the faith in fact i won't even call it kindergarten because if you are even getting the good kindergarten training then you should on your own be able to go and pick up books and be reading what you are getting is like a um, fella, one of our musicians in Nigeria has a song where he says, Teacher, don't teach me nonsense. <laughs> you know, there is a kind of teaching that you get in your kindergarten. Like if you learn your alphabets all wrong, your phonetics, you will never be a good reader. As in, even up till today. In fact, there was something my friends and I we used to say that 
you could always tell people who had a good primary education and those who didn't even when they grew up because there's some things you learn in first principles that you learn about literacy about reading and that one if you were not taught those things it will show up throughout your adult life throughout except you now pull yourself away from your normal career and then go and go somewhere for someone to now reteach you on learn and you deliberately do that almost as though you are learning a new language i don't know if this applies to everyone but for those of us who are not native speakers and you know this is how it, it works i think if you're a native speaker people are and you're around people who are speaking it properly to you that may not happen to you also in our context if you're around people who are speaking it properly but generally for people who are in second language communities if you do not learn it properly it, you know at the initial stage so that's that's how it is as well so we find out, i find out that a lot of the kindergarten level teaching so because of that very um how would i say weak doctrinal um, for, um diets that people are given it's like and, and even the bible talks about that where um paul i think it was paul telling the church that they should desire the sincere milk of the word so that they should grow thereby paul kept on admonishing the churches wherever he went that they should feed the true word of god so that people would grow he wanted the church to grow he kept on talking of growing to the fullness of the stature of christ because he knew that we are limited by what we know we cannot practice the gospel if we do not study the word of god all of us have to be bible scholars just as some will be more scholarly than others but we all have okay yes let me put this we all have to be students of the bible while some will be scholars and teachers we will not all be teachers we will not all be scholars as really learned people and all that who really go far but all of us have to be students of the bible we all have to be bible literate it's the same thing as school you may not go to university you may not you know graduate um, get your college um, your your what's that word your secondary school certificate and all that but you have to have basic primary education to be able to function in life that's how it is in christianity to be able to practice the faith at a basic fundamental level you need to have your student um you need to be a, a student of the bible all of us need to be students of the bible so we need to know the teachings of jesus i would always say the gospels matthew mark luke and john you need to know what jesus taught you need to also know what the apostles taught and how they applied the doctrine of jesus so that you can then apply it as well what does the word of god say about jesus about god about the world that we live in about sin about the devil about evil spirits about faith about love about hope you know about righteousness about salvation about marriage about hospitality about um good works community works all of this is in the new testament bible now what i find funny is that churches do not make it a practice to teach all those things in the same way that you are taught in school i mean right now i'm developing a homeschool curriculum an academic curriculum for you know a dear, a dear loved one let me put it that way and i am tailoring it to the needs of that person it's making me research now because i i have an objective in mind of what i want that person to learn i am going to look for the books and i'm trying to structure it in a way that will give me the learning outcomes that i want and for that to for me to do it that way knowing how the mind works i have to break down 
the educate look for different sources of material all within a specific area that I'm trying to address and at the level that will be comfortable for him and then begin to develop that curriculum and then look for people that will teach it while I coordinate set the learning targets it's a lot of work but I'm doing it and even though we've started it's very very early I already know it's going to work and it's already working why because it's tailored why because it's structured why because it is calculated it's reasoned it's thoughtful it's relevant it provides material it's contextual and it's 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 delivered in a way that the mind of the student can receive but i'm very focused on the learning outcomes and focused on the needs of the student and what the person needs to know why do, why am i doing all of this because i want the, the the student to grow i want the student to learn i want the student to be able to be self um directing to be self advocating to be able to do all the things that currently the student is unable to do that's why so i have good intentions for this student which is why i am providing an environment that gathers together all of the information that this student needs and the support to be able to get that knowledge and understanding and interpretation and application that this student needs. High five, Holy Spirit. Yeah, thank you, Holy Spirit, for that. Thank you. Love you always. That was him again. And that is exactly what every teacher, every faith circle church that wants their people to grow should be doing. So I'm so it's it's surprising, but you know, not surprising, but yeah, that's why some of us, that's why I'm on the journey that I am on. Because you, when I had a personal crisis, the theology, the level where I was couldn't help me. I had to go back into the Bible, and the funny thing was that the Bible could help me. So how is it then that a body of believers gathered together? We say we are gathered together in the name of the Lord. You're not teaching theology that can help people through. The most difficult days of their lives. Then, when they have crisis, they're running helter skelter. False prophets and teachers just waiting at the doors to come and gather them in and 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 carry them to where they do not know. It's amazing to me because everywhere where God deals with people, even with Adam and Eve, the first thing He does is give you commandment, give you guidelines. He warns you. And he, he wants, he, and evidence shows, like in the Garden of Eden, when that word is not before your eyes, you are likely to fall short of it, which is what they did. Anybody can then come, because that's literally what happened to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. A false teacher came and now started contesting the word of God. Did God really say this? Now, they had not had that word written in front of their eyes. They didn't have, so, they were, so, so, so Eve actually got confused because what the devil then did, oh, Holy Spirit, you are, you are on fire this morning. What the devil then did was that he twisted the word of God, manipulated it, and then see how it, the, the effect it had on Eve. You know, so she now saw that the, the tree was good for fruit, a tree that she had avoided for God knows how long. We don't know how long. Without 10 years, centuries, nobody has an idea. But they avoided it because God had said they should not eat of that fruit. So her theology was weak. And she, she made the greatest mistake that we are all still suffering from today. So, oh Holy Spirit, I love you so much. This, this is you. Because that is exactly why we all need to be students of the Bible. Because what I've seen is 
these false prophets, these false teachers, these false brethren, they are everywhere. And exactly like the serpent in the Garden of Eden, that is an iconic story because I kid you not, it's happening to all of us every day, whether we realize it or not. There are influences, people coming into our lives with a premeditated intention to send us on a path of self-destruction, self-harm, because that's what happened to Adam and Eve. It was self-destruction, it was self-harm. They ate the fruit. Adam, um, Eve ate it and she gave it to her husband to eat and he ate it as well. I always wonder what could have happened if Adam refused to eat the fruit. Would it have made it better? Maybe only Eve would have been cast out. <laughs> well, that would have been the end of humanity. Maybe that would have been better because she, would have, she wouldn't have had a mate to mate with and that would have been it. Then everything would have ended with her by the time she leaves the earth. How that would have been better? Then God will reset, maybe create another Eve. And maybe that cycle would have repeated itself again. <laughs> so, okay, let's just take it that this was bound to be the way it would have been, you know. But the mistake they made was that they didn't really understand the word of God. The clarity that they needed to have had. Because it's like Eve was confused. And she didn't seek that clarity. She said, he said, God said we should not eat it or touch it. Whereas God did not say you should not touch it. He said you should not. So she was confused. Her theology was messed up. And the devil prayed on that. That is what is happening today. Which is why all of us need to develop a strong theology. Now, I said I wanted to... I spent too much time preambling that I didn't get into the meat, but then I, I, it's fine. So my reflection was, one thing again that surprises me is that the Bible warns us a lot about false brethren, false teachers, false prophets. Jesus references it. The apostles reference it. Peter, James, Peter, John, um, Paul, they all reference it. But I can't tell you the last time I was in a church and had any pastor preaching about either false brethren or false teachers or false prophets. I have a theory. I believe that the reason why they don't preach on those things is because they know that they themselves are wanting in those areas and they don't want their church people to ever be in a position of questioning them. But So I did a Google search. Well, not really a Google search, but in my Takata Bible app, which by the way is the most critical Bible tool that I have at the moment because it has a fantastic search engine that enables you to just search through the Bible very, very quickly. It's the best I've seen so far. I've used quite a few, but this one really works really well. It's really, they invested in it the same way Google, it has, it's like, a, it's like a type of Google search. You know how Google gets you what you want, whereas when you use Bing and all those other silly search engines, they don't, they come up with trash, you know. So this search engine is good because I've seen that not every search engine searches really. This one does search for you, does a clean sweep and brings out the best stuff for you. So, looking into the Old Testament, I'm just looking, I just googled the word false and a lot of things came up and there were some around, okay, I'll, I'll just look at the ones I've talked about false prophets and I'm out of time right now but I just need, I feel I just need to, you know, add this part so I'll just do this for a few minutes. In the Old Testament, the word false shows up mostly around false witness, in other words, people, you know, accusing people wrongly and all that, a lot of that we see today. Um, in in the new testament it's more around well false false witness as well but it also talks a lot about false prophets so jesus in matthew 7 15 said beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly they are ravening wolves he now goes on to say a lot of things about them but i won't go too deeply into that um in matthew 24 11 he actually says many false prophets will arise and they will deceive many 
that's in the end of the world in the last tri um, tribulation and he says in verse 24 that there will arise false christs and false prophets and they will show great signs and wonders in so much that if it were possible they shall deceive the very elect now why would it be that the only thing that would stop any christian from not going after a false christ or a false prophet who by the way is coming with great signs and wonders is because the person understands the bible has read and knows that jesus has already told us that he's not going to come again and be living in the midst of men like he did in his first coming that in his second coming it will be open the whole world will see it so anywhere if you hear that christ is anywhere just so that is a lie but if you have not read the bible and read it enough and you have a strongly formed conviction and theology around the second coming of christ people you will be part of the people that will be deceived and these are the things i would be expecting that they will be teaching people in sunday services i don't even understand or is it that maybe there's a maybe when people go into believers class that's where they teach them all the same but i'm like this is for sunday because sunday is when you have everyone who is going to be there? We have people who go for midweek services and all that, or believers class, or you know, whatever. It's in Sunday these things should be taught. Anyway, so then he talks about um, um, okay. There's a lot of false witness, false witness. I'm still scrolling down. Let me see. Um, I want to go to. The, I'm focused on the false. So Second Corinthians. This is now um, in the time of Peter. I mean, Paul, the apostle. So Paul, talking to the church in Corinth, said he was given it describing certain types of people. And he says that um, for such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Now, and he says there's no surprise in that because Satan himself is transformed onto an angel of light, into an angel of light. So therefore, it's of no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Wow. Oh, thank you, Lord. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. This is speaking to me. So Paul himself was saying that within the church, that there are false apostles. People pretend, you know what it means to be a false apostle? That's somebody who is carrying on, has the charismatic mien of being an apostle. For him to use that word apostle, he means that these are people, these are not normal, these are not people like you and I. These are people who had the gravitas and have been perceived to be people with the same kind of calling that Peter, people like Paul, who even lived and walked with Jesus, that they had. But he says that they are deceitful workers who have transformed themselves into the apostles of Christ. So they have deliberately created a persona by the power of the devil into making themselves, presenting themselves as apostles of Christ. Why? So as to, they can deceive people. So Paul was warning against such people. And these are things that we, we as believers need to know that they are false apostles. They are false brethren. Because how do we know that they are? Because the Bible tells us. If the Bible did not tell us that they were such, we would say, there is no reason for me to create it in my head. But the Bible warns about it. So false apostles, we've seen false apostles. Then second, in, in, in that same 11 verse 26, Paul then talks about false brethren. In journeys, he talks about his tribulations in his um, apostolic work. He says, sometimes in my journeys, I face a lot of perils, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, that's unbelievers, in perils in the city, in perils in the in danger in the wilderness, in danger in the sea. That's why they traveled on in sea in those days. There was no air travel. And also in danger among false brethren. So there were even brethren, people who were brethren, 
who would be in the church pretending to be brethren, but they were anti-Christ, anti-Christ, agents of darkness. So some of those people, they would come in pretending to be friends and they would be sabotaging him. Later, it, Paul would realize that these are not really Christians. They are false brethren. Again, these are things that Christian, we need to know. And it's not something you will receive by you. You have to see it in scripture. And the Holy Spirit teach you. You have to read it. You have to study it. So we've read false um, apostles. We've read false brethren. Let's go on and see another type of false. Yes, 1 John 4, 1. In fact, 2 Peter 2, 1 says, But there were false prophets also among you, the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. That's Peter now. Peter saying this. He says, There were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers. So, how would I, as a Christian, know if somebody comes and is doing false teaching, like how the serpent did in this Garden of Eden? Because the serpent, the whole conversation between the serpent and Eve was based on the word of God. The serpent didn't bring um, Hinduism or Buddhism or something. It was God's word that he was misinterpreting. The whole conversation was about the word of God. Yet... It had such a disastrous ending and the intent was 100% malicious. So, in fact, the conversation between Adam and Eve was a conversation about theology, about what God said, about God's worldview. The, the serpent was challenging the worldview that had been presented by God to Adam and Eve. That was what was going on there. What a pity. Let me even say, what was the first serpent that the, 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 he said to her, did God really say you must not eat from the, any tree in the garden? As in really, who starts off a conversation by challenging the word of God? <laughs> that was the conversation. He didn't talk to her about anything else. He didn't ask her, do you want to be part of my army? I'm a good person. I'm recruiting people. He didn't say that. He just started on the basis of what, he used the credibility of the word of God and corrupted it. And that's what these people do. But then, how would you, how would I, you and I, be able to stand against that if we don't even know what God said? Eve was confused, and I'm going, I'm reading from Genesis 3, because he now says, let's see the conversation between them, and I'm really running out of time here. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? That's the serpent. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. That you must not touch it, she has. That was her own addition, her interpretation of it. God did not actually say that. He said they should not eat it. Okay. Then the serpent now said, no, 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 no. You will not certainly die. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And the Bible now says in verse 6, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasant to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. But it was a conversation about what God said, what he did not say, and the application of that. Because when we read the word of God, there is what is said, there is what it means, there is how we interpret it, and then there is how we apply it. The devil corrupted the interpretation of that word. He actually corrupted even the the word itself. So he said, God did not say, um, he, he, he says you will not die. No, he, the interpretation, he, 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 he didn't change the word. 
but he corrupted the interpretation of it. No, God did not. It's not that you will die. I mean, God knows that, you know, but this is what's going to happen. Your eyes will be opened. And he was right in that. They didn't physically die, but they did die spiritually. So he was, it was a half-truth. They would die, but not physically, but they would die. But the death that they would die is actually even worse than physical death. Because it's a death that will corrupt everything and will lower them in their status. So when he now went into full-blown lie, when you open your eyes, you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. That was a big lie because they were already like God and they already knew good and evil because God had already said it to them. So, but all of that, because she was confused in her theology, in all of this verse 5, and the Holy Spirit is just on fire here, all of these questions was questions about purpose, was questions about what, what um, the existence of God, was questions about can I trust God at his word? Questions like, who are we? What is this the fullness of purpose for me? How do I fit into the scheme of things? These were all deep theological questions that were being addressed in verse 4 and verse 5. Because Eve did not have the answers, she fell prey to the devil. Now, as I'm saying this, you think that I have thought of this this way before. This is 100% the Holy Spirit speaking to me. He's teaching me right now. Because I've never looked at it this way. I just thought it was a conversation and just made her disobey. The, it was the weakness of her theology. That was what made her vulnerable. And she was dealing with somebody who was more skillful in manipulating the word of God than she was in understanding and interpreting the word of God. It was a no-brainer. He defeated her hands down. So, my, I, where I'm going with all of this is that I don't, this same scenario is repeating itself day in, day out. I will just close with this scripture. I think it's the last one where we read in 1 John because John actually went as far as he says, Beloved, 1 John 4 1, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. I kid you not, if John said this many years ago, said thousands of years ago, you can't imagine the proliferation of false prophets. We have them all around us here, particularly in my environment, people who are trying to manipulate you, people who prey on your weakness, your frailties, and say things that they know will get your attention just for the purpose of manipulation. Some of them may be friends, some of them may be family, some may be pastors on the pulpit. John advised us we should try every spirit. But how will you try what you cannot, you are not competent to try? The only way you can test whether something is really of God is if you yourself already have a solid developed theology of the Lord. And it doesn't happen overnight. It's relationship with God by His Spirit, but deep fellowship with the Word of God. At least on the fundamentals. We should know fundamentally what is what are the things. And also develop a doctrine whereby if somebody asks you to do anything or is telling you anything, you go and study it by yourself on the Bible and see, is this true or not? But I see too many people vesting their beliefs in the person of authority. So he's better than me, he's great. See all the things that God has done in his life. Therefore, if he's saying this is correct, no, there is not the Bible. That's not the Christian way. That's the big difference between Christianity and other religions. Um, Jesus never gave it to us that way. Even Paul said, if any person comes to preach a gospel different from that which I'm preaching, don't receive it. Even if I comes to preach you tomorrow something different from what we have laid down already, the standard is Christ. Nobody should elevate anything. And and I think for us in this part of the world, what has really helped um, worked against us is that revelation um 
proliferation whereby everybody can say god said to me god said god told me or i went to heaven and then once they now say that revelation thing we feel that we shouldn't try it and test it whether it is according to the scripture me as a rule of thumb the only way you can convince me on anything is word of god if you like tell me jesus appeared to you 20 times i will not listen to you as in i will if at all i give you the as in i'm listening to you i'm listening i will listen to you just as if i'm watching chronicles of narnia or lord of the rings or some other mystical fantasy i will not take it as a revelation from christ even if i have a personal revelation do you understand and jesus appears to me and he says things except it confirms everything that's in the script in the bible i will believe that i had a hallucination <laughs> i don't understand me i will not believe it because i i i i can't allow myself to be entrapped by something that you know nobody nobody can really tell what happened the only thing i can hold on to is this word this time tested word because like the bible says prophecies they pass what will not fail is the word of god so i will not i will not build my life on a dream or a prophet or a prophecy that somebody gave that is not rooted in the scripture if it's rooted in the scripture yes fine then we go with it but i go with it not because it's a prophetic word not because it was a dream but because it is a replay of the word of god because it is based on the word of god so I'll leave it at that. And because the truth is, we, we that scripture in First Corinthians 13, when, where, where Paul says, we know in part and we prophesy in part. We should all realize that the knowledge that we have, even the knowledge of the word of God, is partial. But we can rest on the word of God because it is eternal. But every other thing, even if it seems to generate results for us, it is not the same as the word of God. It cannot, if it's contrary to the word of God, then those results are not of God. And by the time they mature, they will bring about whatever it is that they will. So I'm really out of time now. And um, well, thank you for staying with me on this. And we'll continue this same place, same time um, tomorrow. So thank you very much for listening. God bless you. Stay lifted and have a wonderful day. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs>